Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Sue, a visual artist. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks so much for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we've spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these thoughts kernels because they are the start of much bigger ideas. We thought we'd share some of these with you, so... Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is energies that we work with. On the path, we work with various types of energy to enhance ritual and for spell work as needed. We have spent years developing relationships with these energies in the sense that we better understand how they can assist us with various ritual and magical practices if they choose to do so. These include the four physical elements, the genus loci, spirit of place, the old gods, and the ancestors. We have also learned about the different energies available from the monthly phases of the moon and the solar cycle of the year. For us, ritual does not focus on how the various energies should be called to attend and the idea that they must assist us with our magical workings, but how their energies can enhance what we are trying to accomplish if they wish to participate in some way. We have learned for us that the energy of each of the four physical elements is more accessible during each of the four seasons of the year in turn. This may be a result of the weather that we experience, but it seems to fit our tradition. Learning to develop a relationship with the genus loci has been a two-way street. We cannot expect any type of respect or assistance if we do not respect the land itself. While we do not work with a specific pantheon or specific deities, we venerate and offer devotion to the old gods. We feel that their energy provided many cultures with what they needed in the past and renewed worship in the present have revitalized their energy and interest in our world once again. We often turn to the ancestors for guidance and support, and we believe that they have our best interests at heart, for without us remembering them, their memory will not continue to exist as part of this world. Keeping something alive through memory is the ultimate act of respect. To maintain the reciprocal and mutually beneficial relationships with these energies requires time, effort, and maintaining levels of respect. Because of this, we do not make demands on them, but request their assistance. Because of this, we create offerings and sacrifices when we work with them in appreciation for them lending their energy to what we do. Because of this, we pay attention to any messages they choose to share with us. Because of this, we have a living, constantly evolving practice that has become our tradition. In our last several episodes, we've been discussing energy, or at least starting to, in terms of we view it as projective or receptive, and how we raise and direct where the energy is intended to go during ritual or spell work, and now we're kind of moving on to start discussing the various types of energies that we work with as part of our spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. 
And I like the idea that it is an ongoing development of relationship. When you and I first came around and began practicing various traditions, as it were, it seemed like you would call the energy or demand the energy show up for your yes. ritual. And then when you were done, it's like, come on, we're done. Go away. You know, with no... Well, re- yes, you are dismissed. Yes, which seems to be the height of disrespect. Yeah. If you are actually working with the energies of gods, for instance, and these traditions used specific pantheons, so they were supposedly working with specific gods, who are we to command gods? You know, in many ways, it's the it's very similar to how we view sacred space, that, you know, it's not that the elements of the gods are somewhere else, what, Mount Olympus or something, and then you have to call them so that they can come. All this energy is always around us. It is a matter of focusing. And as you focus on it, that's part of the call that you make, is your attention, attention and intention. I think so. And as you said, it's like, if you're extending an invitation like it's a party is how it used to feel. And as far as I know, a lot of times, ritual's supposed to be fun. Let's get that out of the way. It's supposed to be a joyful occasion. But there's also supposed to be a reverence to it. It's supposed to be sacred. And somehow just the, the whole way that always seemed to work just sort of graded. So I'm kind of glad we moved. we've moved past that. And I think one of the big things about developing in these relationships is recognizing how many different ways one type of energy can present itself. So that if, say, you want to work with the element of air, and it has, for want of a better word, like a signature that you Mm -hmm. recognize, but it's not always the same. It comes in all different varieties of strength or potency maybe or interest mm-hmm. in what you're doing. Expression. Then, expression, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And it's so different for every person. So that you and I can be together and be working with the element of air. And you know air has shown up because you experience it one way. I know air has shown up because I experience a different way. But it's still the same element. Yes. It's just it it and I don't want to say it caters. It the energy is always the same. It, how people experience it is an individual thing. Well, because we as individuals change from day to day. And the way that you experience that signature of energy changes. I mean, it always has the basis in the element, but its expression can change. I agree, and that's just, and I also, and, and as I also think, it's because you just yeah, are unique as well. So we yeah. all perceive things differently. It's like the reality tends to be subjective because each of us experiences it based on what we're thinking at the time, or what our mood is, or 
past experiences have shown us that and all and all of those pieces of it and we're developing a relationship takes time and energy and effort when you think about it so that the longer you work with these different energies a, a i think it's easier to recognize what the energy does and is and may be willing to do with you and mm -hmm. be it's like any type of relationship that is developed over long term. It becomes easier to facilitate the connection to it, to know that certain energies are better for different kinds of workings, certain times are different are better for different kinds of ritual and so on and so forth. So it all comes down to just like always, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, practice and Developing your, your witch's intuition, your own personal, you get to the point where you can almost feel what is connecting to you at the moment or what you are able to connect, to connect with. Yes, and what you, and how you experience it. Yes. You know, it, you and I joke sometimes that I get knocked in the back of the head by that cosmic two by four. <laughs> and for, because I'm going to put it out there. I don't visualize it. So much of practice, at least for beginning people, focuses on visualizing things. See in your mind's eye, blah, 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 blah. And I don't have that ability. That is not how I experience anything. I can think about stuff, you know, you tell me to visualize it like an apple in your mind's eye. And in my head, I can think, well, an apple is red. It's basically round. It's got that little stem on the top. You know, it's, it's all those different things that make up physically an apple. And I have a memory of what an apple smells like and what an apple tastes like kind of thing. And if I hold one in my hand, it's a certain weight and the skin is smooth and so on and so forth. But I don't see anything inside my mind if I close my eyes that way. That's not how I'm built. But I am very physically sensitive, I guess, and in other ways to energy and the experience of so that you and I can be in ritual and I can feel a heaviness in the back of my neck when I know spirit is there. Or mm -hmm. elements, I get a different physical sensation. Yes. So it, it, that's also part of it. You have to learn how you perceive these energies and what changes for you internally you experience when they show up. Yes. You know, some people may hear it. Some and that's people, awareness. Yeah. Sometimes for me, it's emotional that I I feel the energy there, not a physical thing. You know, like the tingles you get, but but it's just a that internal connection. Mm -hmm. It's hard to describe. Yeah, it's like that. But quiet you know it when it happens. <laughs> this is it, and, and I think that we don't give enough attention sometimes to how much of this is, regardless of your work if you're working by yourself or with a group of one hundred. It's always a personal experience and an individual experience in that sense. Yes, witchcraft has to be experiential. You have to do it in order to understand it. 
which I think is the biggest mystery of all, because you can read a million books, and you know we've read a bunch of them over the years, about what to do and how to do it, and this is what you should use as tools, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But until you bite the bullet, as it were, and start actually trying some of this stuff out, you don't figure out what works for you, and you don't figure out which energies you're more comfortable working with. And taking a look at those that maybe you haven't figured out why. And I think there are different kinds of energies that we instinctively or individually connect with more easily. And that there there may be more work involved to connect with some of these other ones. It doesn't mean you can't or won't down the road, but you have to be willing to put the work in. Oh, yes. It's, and to go back to I was to go back to your experiential, I remember and this was back in the day in the early eighties I would say <laughs> I was in that portion of reading everything I could find. And I remember the first time I actually sat in front of my little altar that I had just made and lit my first candle. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It was so profound. Something so simple, though, looking back. And my life changed. You know, from I, you can see all the ways that I have grown since that time that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't made that physical step to the next level mm-hmm. it's like taking that leap of faith and jumping off the cliff you know yes. hoping yes. it's going to be the neck at the bottom kind of thing and when you put it that way it's often the simple things that are the most meaningful yes you know i think that's one of the things we've learned as we have worked to develop these relationships with the energies that we work with that we don't have to be complicated and fancy Sometimes it's a matter of sitting there and saying, okay, I want to work with you. Can you show me what I need to do? Mm-hmm. And that simple act of asking, you get amazing results. You know that. We've done that. And then be patient. Yeah. Yes. Be patient and maintain awareness. Well, I think part of the being patient is these energies are not human. You know, you and I know how humans work, basically, because we are, we know how our brains think, and we have a different relationship with time. Yes. More than anything else than these other energies do. And it's a matter of learning that, yes, we are very different, and where do we find the connection points? It's like putting a key into a lock. You have mm-hmm. to have a key with the right little, you know, cutout areas in the key for it to fit into the lock. And that's part of that patience is where you learn what points have to be right on your key, for want of a better word. I mean, I realize it's kind of a crappy analogy, but you learn how to fit with the energy, the, the height of rudeness, I think, from our previous practices is we expect the energy to fit with us. 
and that's not how that works. We have that's to true. learn how to relate to the energy where it is and how it is and respect the difference. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest piece of it. But we do. We work with energies of the elements and, as we said, the genus loci and the old gods and the ancestors and the moon and the solar cycle. There seems to be an unlimited possibility of combinations in there. And I think that's what makes it fun. Oh, yeah. And the ability to to have relationships with all these different types of energies and to the, the give and take and being able to have so many choices. You know, that makes all the difference. I think so. And that sounds like a good point to wrap this one up. Going forward, we're going to do a deeper dive into each of the individual types of energies so you get some idea of how we think about what they might be and then you're free to agree or disagree however you like. Witch Stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's spotlight, we'll be looking at the witch stone, Waning Moon. Concrete stones focus on a specific physical energy rather than a concept, and the second set of concrete stones are the four phases of the moon. For those of us who walk the path, Each phase of the moon is associated with different energies for personal spiritual growth and development. The fourth phase is the waning moon. It displays a pictograph of a white moon with a red directional arrow moving towards a black moon, representing the decreasing energy. With each phase linked to different energies, waning moon energy correspondences include sorting, and making space, reducing or banishing to get rid of what no longer serves, and turning things around. With diminishing energy, sorting through what you don't need, which allows you to make space for the new, can be easier or accomplished with less interference. Banishing often has a negative connotation with craft practices. But what we mean is just really getting rid of something for good, especially personal things or issues that you don't need in your life anymore. Turning things around allows you to refocus your energy into areas that may better serve you. The seen energy for the waning moonstone in a reading is dissipating, letting go, and sense of relief. Dissipating allows you to feel that things you don't need anymore are going away, even if it doesn't feel like they are leaving fast enough. Letting go means you have permission to release things you aren't sure you should or need to give up. A sense of relief reminds you that things are moving in the direction you need them to, 
and just breathe and enjoy this feeling of respite after a personal struggle by letting the natural currents of energy flow. The unseen energy for the waning moonstone in a reading is pulling, holding on too tight, and feeling unsettled. Pulling may involve trying to force a situation to work out the way you think it should, or that you are trying to shoulder too much, especially other people's wants and needs. Becoming aware that you may be holding on too tight to something you need to release or a situation you are trying to control allows you to take a look at why you are trying to keep something or why you feel you have to be in control so much. Feeling unsettled is a common occurrence in our practice and may show up when you do not know exactly where you are going next, and this is perfectly acceptable. Things will become clearer with time. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today I have a witchy tip for you about how to dress a candle. The term dressing a candle refers to the practice of embellishing and adding energy and intention to a candle by manipulating it in some way. Rubbing it with essential oil or rolling it in herbs. It doesn't have to be an elaborate endeavor. Let your intuition and situation guide you. A good way to begin with this practice is anointing a candle with oil. First, choose an oil for its magical properties and what intentions you are adding to your working. Also choose a scent that appeals to you and adds that extra dimension or layer of scent. Holding the candle in your dominant hand, put a drop of oil on a fingertip and begin stroking the oil onto the candle. Traditionally, if your working concerns receptive energy or drawing something to you, you want to rub the oil in one swipe from the wick of the candle down to the base, as if you're drawing the energy into the candle. Repeat this action around the candle, always wick to end, while thinking about or stating out loud your intention. If the working centers around projective energy or sending something out into the world, you want to rub the oil from the base of the candle out to the wick in one swipe. Remember to always also state aloud your intention. Now, if the energy that you want to be working with is balanced, you do have the option of anointing the candle starting from the center of the candle out to the top and then from the center down to the bottom. This isn't necessarily something that must be done, but if you're adding intention and layers upon your spell work, 
it's another thing that you can add to. Another way to dress a candle is to combine both essential oils and herbs. After applying the oil, sprinkle or roll your candle in the herbs that will best suit your working. Make sure though that the herb is safe to burn and also smells relatively nice. And P.S. Never ever leave a burning candle unattended. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday, but you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, young crones, all one word. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, and our Twitter handle is at twoyoungcrones. Check out our merch at our Teespring store. We also have a Patreon account called the Young Crones Cafe, where you can support the podcast if you enjoy our efforts. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be.